Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And today we are going to be talking about caring for others when we're struggling ourselves. Um, And to do that, I have brought on Casey Davis. Hello, Casey. Hi. I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, I have been following you on TikTok for a while now, and I just think what you have to say is so wonderful and so helpful to me personally, and I'm hoping to my listeners too. Thank you so much. I'm I'm super excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, before we start talking about um, care tasks and, and when we're struggling ourselves, um, let's hear a little bit about your background, um, especially, you know, any ways that you've worked with kids over the years, but, but also the ways that you've worked in your own home and things like that. Sure. So I'm sort of one of those people that didn't grow up around a lot of kids. I'm the youngest person in my immediate family. And so I I am a mom. I have two kids. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And I'm a therapist by trade. So most of my life was working with adults and specifically in the area of addiction. And so when I became a mom, I actually became a stay-at-home mom. And I did a little work on the side, but, you know, was primarily day in, day out with my kids. And it was my first experience of trying to apply sort of my knowledge of how people work and what makes people happy and fulfilled to these tiny little humans I had created. (laughs) And so um, I'm three years into that. And this last year with, you know, quarantine, I had my baby right before our state shut down completely, Mm. my second baby. And so this past year has been basically learning. I mean, so I mean, the title of my book is how to keep house while drowning. And I mean, it just exactly describes the year that I had Um, was just, okay, now, how do I keep these tiny people in my home happy and healthy, while feeling like I am drowning in, you know, isolation and care tasks and feeling overwhelmed and feeling depressed. So that's sort of how I got to this point. 
Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, because yeah, one of the things that has resonated with me so much about what you talk about on TikTok is, um, so as a nanny, and I think a lot of nannies can identify with this, is our job is is care tasks. Um, mm-hmm. Like our job is taking, helping other people keep house. Our job is helping take care of those tiny humans that are the most important um, people in the world to the families that we nanny for. Um, and I think a lot of nannies feel very um, competent at it. And then the pandemic came along and I, I don't know, I can't speak for all nannies, but it, it knocked me on my behind of like, oh, (laughs) I just went from playing on what felt like easy, you know, for the past eight years to now expert level (laughs) care Mm. task, you know, of, of like, oh, now I, I really have to be in touch with my own, stuff that's going on so that I can take care of this tiny human without, you know, mixing in my stuff with their stuff and which is impossible, but still. And so one of the things that I love that you talk about is taking a lot of that judgment out of it. Um, and, and let's, let's start in kind of in particular with like your space, something that you say frequently um, and is, is a chapter in your book, chapter 16, is, is you do not exist to serve your space. Your space exists to serve you. Can you talk a little bit about that concept? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think most people are in the same boat with the pandemic sort of amping up or turning up the temperature on this issue because mm-hmm. even essential workers who are still going to work, so a lot of people aren't even going to work, but even if you are essential and you're going to work, there's no doubt that all of us are spending way more time at home Mm -hmm. than we were before. And the reality is, is that if you are spending more time at home, you are creating more care tasks that need to be done just by virtue of the fact you are physically at home, right? You have to feed yourself at home more. You are making more messes at home. You are using, you know, more of your space. And so I think that a lot of people are feeling that same tension of all of a sudden we're trying to deal with the external stress of what's going on in the world and what's going on in our minds, but also what in the world is going on in our space. And it's just sort of all come together. But, but yeah, so that's one of my favorite sort of principles in struggle care, which is the brand, basically what I call this philosophy of space is that I think, and this is, I think a lot of people feel this, but I think it's especially prominent in women that were sort of raised with this idea that's, you know, left over from this 1950s housewife idea that the status or or the way that our space looks is a reflection on us. It's a reflection on our worthiness as a person, as an adult, or as a partner. And a lot of us really attach this moral price tag to whether our space is clean, whether it's tidy, whether it's organized, whether we have dirty laundry or dirty dishes. And we beat ourselves up. Like we feel like failures. If the laundry is overflowing, we feel like we are losing or we can't get it together or we're behind. If there's dishes in the sink, if things are a mess, if we feel like, and one of the phrases that people use a lot is I can't get on top of it. 
Mm-hmm. I can't get on top of it. But it's interesting if you ask somebody what does on top of it mean? Um, and I kind of liken it to body image in a lot of ways. Mm. The way that, you know, the average person looks is not, does not match what the average person in the media or on TV or in advertising. And, and it's similar with our spaces. The way that the average person really lives in their home doesn't look like homes you see on TV, homes you see on the front of magazine covers. Um, and so a lot of people have this idea that their home needs to look like a magazine cover or all the time. That's the all other the time. thing. It's like, <laughs> like you can get it there for a second, but at sure. what cost, you know? <laughs> and a lot of people struggle when they go through any kind of life transition. So if they're under a little bit of, so maybe they don't have any trouble keeping it like a magazine cover, but then they get a new job with more hours or they have a child or they come under any kind of stress or they get sick for a weekend. Right. And all of a sudden there's this, what's wrong with me? And I think particularly if you work in a care task job that you're good at, there's this extra layer of why am I failing here? Because success at your job is measured by how well you complete those care tasks. Right. And so this idea that, you know, we don't exist to serve our space. Like my, I don't exist to exhaust myself running around 24 seven, making sure that all of the surfaces are clear and sparkly, that there's never any clutter anywhere, that there's never any dirty laundry. It's always, whenever someone says like, I'm so behind on laundry, I was asked like, what, what do you mean by behind? They'll be like, well, I just have so much dirty laundry, which is always funny to me because being behind, like the, the function of doing laundry is to have clean clothes. So technically, if you have clean clothes, you're not behind. (laughs) But we have this idea that if there are any dirty clothes or if there are any dirty dishes, then we are behind. Mm -hmm. And making this switch, sorry, this is like a long answer to your question, but making this switch from like, I don't exist to keep my home at some external person's standard of what a successful person's home looks like. My home literally exists to meet my needs and meet my family's needs. Right. And that those needs are different from person to person. Yeah. And like you say frequently, um, they're different from season to season. A a house with toddlers in it (laughs) looks very different than a house with high school kids in it. They they just look different. Um, And, you know, asking your high schooler to clean up the video game remote when they're done controller. I obviously play so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Asking your high school student to pick up, you know, the one, their, their book that they're reading or whatever is very different than asking a toddler to put away all of the Duplo blocks, you know, like exactly. It's just different. And so I also think, yeah, different seasons are going to have different thresholds for what gets you back to, you know, zero of like, okay, I can do everything I need to do in this space and I'm comfortable. Yeah. And my space is functioning. I think also it's about moving the standard of what of acceptable from perfection or aesthetic, you know, pleasure to functional. 
Yeah. Yeah. And there might be seasons of life where the aesthetic pleasure of everything being in its place and everything being clean all the time is achievable. And if it's achievable without you exhausting yourself, what a cool place to be in life. <laughs> but, you know, not being in that place in life, not being able to maintain that is not a moral failing. It's literally, and so many people are beating themselves up over not being able to get on top of housework when there's really not a skill deficit problem. There's really more of a support deficit problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I reflect a lot about sort of the way that I'm able to make my home care for me today versus six months ago. I mean, it's night and day. Right. And I'm not trying any harder. I don't love my kids anymore today than I did six months ago. But I was just, my kids were different ages. Mm -hmm. We were at a different state in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, my husband had different things going on in his job. I was at a different place with my understanding of the function of my home. I mean, it, it wasn't me. Right. It wasn't being worse then and better now. Just some external things were able to change and shift. And so I think understanding that allows us to be a little more gentle with ourselves Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious if you have techniques for nannies who are, are listening to this and are like, okay, yeah, I hear you, Martha. I hear you, Casey. Like, don't assign moral judgment <laughs> to my space being a mess, but that voice is still very loud for them. Um, sure. Do you have some strategies to help, uh, to help quiet that voice or mute it altogether? Well, one thing I think is important to remember is that when you have a job, regardless of what that job is, there's a start point and an end point, and you know when those points are. And what that allows you to do is kind of turn on and get in this mindset of work and then turn off right. and get out of the mindset of work. And so I, I would imagine that there are people going, why can I run this home you know, run this tight ship and do such a good job he here at my job. It's it's the same thing. It's a home, it's laundry, it's counters, it's, you know, childcare. But then at home, I can't seem to do that. And I think one thing to remember is that mentally you can give a hundred percent to anything mm -hmm. for a specified amount of time, eight hours, six hours, you know, whatever it is. But when you're in your home, you are dealing with a repetitive, everyday, no break cycle of care tasks. Right. And so, you know, your dishes never end. The dishes at your job do eventually end when you clock out, when you have a day <laughs> off, right? And I think that expecting yourself to have this 100% on, 100% effort, 100% result, 24 hours a day, is unreasonable and thinking, well, if I can do it for eight hours a day, why can't I do it for 24 hours a day? The answer is because you're not superhuman. Right. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Like I could robots. do that too. Yeah. Like I could do that too. I could go somewhere for eight hours a day and run a perfect home, mm -hmm. but it's not realistic to expect me to be able to do that at my own home, nor is it desirable because it wouldn't leave me any effort to do anything else. Right. Yes. And I do think that 
um, that you're absolutely right that nannies do struggle to turn off. And I, you know, and there's a lot of different situations. So some nannies are live-in nannies and that makes it very hard mm. to turn off, you know, at all because yeah. you're constantly in your workplace. Um, and I know that different nannies have different boundaries setting around that, that works for them. And some have, don't have a way that works for them right now. And I encourage you if you're listening and you're living nanny and you're like, oh, but <laughs> I can never turn off um, to, to maybe work on, on some boundary setting, which I think is also helpful for, for really any nanny of, um, of, yeah, setting those boundaries, not only at the job, but with yourself at home too, of like, you get Saturday off, like you don't have to come home and then spend eight hours <laughs> doing all the stuff that you didn't do during the week on Saturday, just because it's, you know, a quote unquote day off. Yeah. And I think it's very common for people that work in a care task job to actually have a completely different standard at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's not a, like maybe their standard is really high, I, I think it's really common because and I, I mean, I couldn't imagine being a live-in nanny because, you know, I know as a stay-at-home mom, I relate to that idea of sort of being at your workplace 24-7 right. in yeah. terms of, you know, I'm everything. And it's not, and it's not being at your workplace as a mom, you know, in the same sense of an office, but it is in the sense of everything here is my responsibility. Right. Um, and if it's out of place, I feel like it's my job to put it in place And so I relate to that idea of feeling like you're never really off the clock Mm -hmm. and having to create those boundaries for yourself. Um, But what I can't imagine is Mm -hmm. feeling that way and having somebody else's external standards, right? Because as a nanny, you know, it's not about you making the decision what's functional. It's about your employer saying, this is the way that I would like things to be done. Um, which is just sort of an extra layer of pressure to feel like you have to be doing that all the time. Yes. Yes. And, and something um, that you've brought up a lot that I really like is that idea of closing tasks Mm -hmm. um, for the end of the day. And I think that that would be really helpful for all nannies to have this series of closing tasks. So can you, can you explain a little bit what those are? Yeah. So some background here, I've, I've actually always been kind of a messy person, um, but I've always been a functional person and (laughs) yeah. And I've never really been a like everyday habits kind of person or a schedule person or any of that. And it really wasn't until I had my second child that things start started struggling to be functional. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Just kind of moving into that new season of like, Oh, I'm going to need to bring some organization some different organization um, to really begin to, you know, do this for a family of four. And the first routine that I ever started was something that I call closing duty. So I used to be a waitress. I used to be a server. And um, for those of you who have never worked in the restaurant industry, you know, our primary job as a server is to take your order and bring you your food and take the plates away and all that stuff. However, there are what we call side duties. So either before or after the shift, we have to complete side duties. So we're going to roll the silverware. Maybe we're going to clean out the iced tea 
you know, carafe, things like that. Mm -hmm. And when you do them at night, they're called closing duties. And they're just these side duties that you have to do. And the reason for doing them is to kind of shut the restaurant down and also to set the openers up for success. So like one of the closing duties might be cutting the lemons into wedges so that in the morning when the openers come in, they're ready to go start serving iced tea. And so having been a server, I basically, (laughs) I was struggling with my dishes. I was, you know, my dishes, how I've always done dishes my whole life is that you chuck it in the sink, it piles up over a few days, and then you kind of roll up your sleeve and do all these dishes. Right. And that stopped working when the second one came along. And so I started saying, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to, um, and I've actually always been really good about clocking out. Mm-hmm. And, and what I re- mean by that is that when my kids go to bed at seven or seven 30, and um, if my husband's not working, he will, um, you know, he'll come home and, and do kids bedtime. If he doesn't have more work to do, like we be, we're done for the day. We will go and hang out. We don't worry about the laundry or the dishes or or anything that's undone. We go hang out with each other and rest on the couch and watch TV. And so I've always been good about that. But what I started doing was saying, you know, if I were to unload and reload my dishwasher every night, right before I sit down and to relax, it would be done. And I would really be setting myself up for success in the morning. And it would make it easier because I would be running smaller loads of dishes So the task would only take, you know, seven minutes, which is a lot easier to not procrastinate a seven minute task than it is a 25 minute task. Right. And so for weeks I did that and it was like, this is so helpful. And I started slowly adding on more little duties. And so the second thing I added on was my, my youngest daughter drinks bottles and we have a little, um, a tiny little water heater that keeps the water right at the temperature for formula water. Hmm. And I would frequently wake up in the morning and go to make a bottle and it would be empty because I wasn't refilling it as soon as it got empty. Um, And so I was like, you know what, if I just refilled it every night, regardless of how low or high it was, I just brought it up to the maximum amount. I will never have this problem again. (laughs) So I started doing that. And I basically ended up with this list of six or seven things and they take me 30 minutes. And I decided that that was my cap that, you know, I'm not going to put my kids to bed and then spend hours trying to bring my house back up to perfection. I'm just going to do this short list of tasks and it has been, and I'm not overstating this life-changing. Yeah. Um, and the tasks are there. It's interesting how I made the list. Okay. And so I have one, what I call complex task, which is the dishwasher, which is like several steps, kind of a drag. And then the rest of them are really simple. And and a lot of them are really functional. So like I wipe down and do like a full cleaning of the high chairs because I Mm -hmm. have little kids and they're messy. Um, I, you know, fill up the formula water, but a lot of them are these really quick things that I kept forgetting. Like my daughter has a lunchbox that has ice packs sewn into it. Mm-hmm. And I kept forgetting to put it in the freezer. Right. And so my list was, okay, do the dishes, fill up the formula water, make cold brew coffee because we like that for the morning, mm-hmm. put the lunchbox in the freezer, clean the high chair, get any of the sort of like 
errant diapers that just end up in random places in the house. Yes. <laughs> Throw those away. <laughs> and then take my meds. Yeah. Uh, I started taking medication for depression and anxiety uh, probably six weeks ago. Yeah. And so I put that on my list. And that's remember. so easy to forget. So it, yes, like absolutely <laughs> wonderful to yes. have a list like that. And so it's this list of things that are setting me up for success in the morning. And I look at it as a kindness to morning me. Mm. And I started calling them closing duties because closing duties, when you work, they're not morally charged. It's just this task that you do and you know, you're doing it so that the next shift can be set up for success, except I'm always the next shift, right? I'm the closer. I'm the opener. I'm the all day doubles, right? I'm the, I work in the clopins. Yep. And so it was so wonderful to wake up in the morning and be able to have a fully functioning kitchen. And the key is, is that I don't worry about the playroom looking a mess, the laundry not being done, stuff being on the floor in the bedroom. I just worry about that kitchen because for me, that's the space that I need to function first thing in the morning for the first couple of hours. And one of the things that's hard for people about care tasks, especially if you have any kind of neurodivergence, so anything on the autistic spectrum, any ADHD, any type of um, something like that, you know, yeah. or even if you have depression, anxiety, anything that, that sort of mucks with your dopamine receptors and, and dopamine reward system, it means that if the reward for a task is not immediate, it's very difficult to motivate yourself to do it. Right. And so with closing duties, because the reward or the payoff of those tasks is so close and so connected to actually doing those tasks at night, there's a lot more motivation, intrinsic motivation to go, oh, I don't want to have to do anything. Oh, but I'll really enjoy that in the morning. Right. Whereas with something like laundry, it's going to be like five days until I want to wear this shirt. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not close enough to the payoff. Um, and the fact that it's the same list every night. Right. And I still have to look at the list. Like, I don't remember all those things. So I don't get sucked into this, okay, what needs to be done? It's just the same list. It also gives me permission to ignore anything not on the list. Mm, yeah. I just, I don't have to do it. I just have to do these closing duties. It takes me about 30 minutes and then I clock out and I'm done. Yeah. And having, I also uh, served uh, in a restaurant for a while and um, I, at, our closing duties always happened when Shakira was playing on the playlist. Like that's just where <laughs> I came every night. And so now I have this yeah. like, really positive <laughs> relationship with Shakira songs. And so if you add like music to it as well, that also can like help <laughs> or your favorite mm -hmm. master or whatever. Um, just a little sidebar of, of another way to, to make those. No. And I totally do. I have a playlist that I play every night and it's, it's on, uh, it's actually a public Spotify playlist and it's linked in my TikTok um, link tree. And so I'm at domestic blisters on TikTok. If you wanted to look at that list and I even uploaded it onto my Alexa app so that I can just tell her to play my closing duties playlist. Yes. 
And that's another one of those sort of psychological hacks is that, you know, I've now, I listen to the same playlist every night Mm -hmm. and maybe some people don't like that, but I am fine with listening to the same playlist, but it has now sort of, there's this saying that says that neurons that fire together wire together. Mm -hmm. And so I've now done closing duties to this playlist so many times that the first thing I do is turn on the playlist. And I find that even on nights when I'm thinking like, oh, I don't, I've been working all day. I don't want to do any more work. I don't want to do any more care. Huh? <laughs> if I put that music on, all of a sudden it's like, okay, a little bit of energy, a little bit of motivation. It's like, it kind of gets my brain in the right space. The other thing that I think it is kind of the important part about closing duties. The first really important part is the clock out time right? Like you don't want to do closing duties at 1130 and then go to bed. The whole point is wrapping up your day, having a definite end to a day of care tasking, whether it's for yourself or others, and then being able to kind of be off the clock, so to say, with care tasks. The other part is I have what's called a survival day closing duties list. Hmm. Because sometimes there's days when you just don't have it in you, right? Yeah. Sometimes you are stressed or you're sick or somebody else in your home is sick, or you don't feel good, or you are just tired. Right. (laughs) And, you know, looking at even a short list of 30 minutes might go, oh, I don't have it in me. And then, you know, I wouldn't do it. And so what I did was I created a smaller list. And so my survival day closing duties is that I take the baby bottles and I stick them into the clean dishwasher and run it again. Mm -hmm. And I fill up the formula water and I take my meds and I'm done. Right. Yeah. And so I get to choose whether I'm going to do the full list or the abridged list. And the key for me with any kind of care task routine is building in routine and flexibility. So like that combination of structure and flexibility is what I have found that my brain really needs. Yeah. But you have to experiment with it a little bit to get there. And I think, you know, for anyone listening who's like, okay, I hear you, um, but I'm nervous about this, is <laughs> you're you're not going to get it right the first time. You know, like you, you talked about the evolution of your list. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I am curious, like how often do you check in with the list to see if, you know, your needs have changed or, or something like that? Is it just when you hit? That's a great question. It's, it's definitely an evolving list and things have gone on the list and things have come off the list. So I used, I used to have take the diapers out, like mm. go upstairs, empty the diaper genie, whatever. And I just kept not doing it because I didn't want to. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know what I did instead of beating myself up over, Oh, I'm not doing it. Make yourself do it. Make yourself. I just took it off the damn list. Right. <laughs> Seriously. It was like, Oh, well, this isn't working. This isn't yeah. a system that clicks with me. And I think that's something that I want more people to hear is that if you're not adhering to a system, it's probably not you failing. It's the system failing you. Mm-hmm. It, that That's not the system for you. So I just took it off the list. And now I just go and get like the diapers that I might've left on the coffee table if, you know, because I changed them on the couch right before breakfast or before dinner. Right. Um, and so, you know, that came off the list. And 
then I find other little things that, um, you know, when I put the meds on the list or when I double check. And so I try to just, you know, my daughter will go off of formula here in about a month. So formula water will get taken off. Right. And I might add something to that. And then I find that I started doing other things as a kindness to future me. So this isn't on my list, but I started noticing that, um, so I change clothes a lot during the day because I, mm-hmm. I get hot and I get cold and I get hot and I get cold. So I, and I live in Texas where the weather fluctuates a lot during the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I wake up and it's chilly. Right. And so I, I've got my, um, slippers on and my like flannel pajama pants and a long sleeve sweatshirt. And I'm kind of going about my day. And then eventually like it starts to warm up and I'll change into shorts and a tank top. I literally am in shorts and a tank top and bare feet by the time I go to bed. But so what would happen was I'd go to bed And then I'd wake up and it was cold and I'd have to um, like get out of my bed Mm. and take my freezing cold self, you know, across the room, into the closet, try to find some warm clothes. And then one, one night I was like, you know, I should just put my slippers by the bed. Yeah. At night, like right before I go to bed, I'm just going to go get my slippers. And then I was like, and you know what? I'll just go grab my pajama pants. I know this sound like to some people, this is right. like, give me a break. Why are you thinking so deeply about this? But um, it was such a huge thing for me to go. It feels so nice to wake up and have a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt and slippers right by my bed. So I don't have to run around, you know, in shorts freezing, even if it's for a few seconds, because this is what we mean by you don't exist to serve your house. Your house exists to serve you. Right. The yeah. reason why so many of us struggle to find the motivation to do housework is that that housework is this external standard of you just do it because you have to. You do it because that's what real adults do. Instead of an intrinsic, I do this because this benefits me. Right. And right. so I think it's not weird to think that deeply about putting your slippers by your bed because that translates to, you know, I don't like that this, the laundry room smells because that's where the diaper genie is. So let's take out the diapers instead of I'm so gross. I haven't taken out diapers in three days. Yeah. And when you were saying, you know, uh, people might be critical and thinking like, why are you thinking so deeply about this? But think about all of the mental energy that we put into why am I failing at this mm-hmm. <laughs> pre-decided system? We spend so much mental energy beating ourselves up a lot of the time. Why not put that mental energy towards, hmm, I'm feeling cold in the morning. <laughs> how do I solve that problem? Yes. Like, how can my life be easier? Yeah. I think we always think about completing care tasks and housework as the hard part of our life. But I think, and we know, we think, well, gosh, are you really that lazy? You can't just be cold for a few seconds. Why should I have to be cold for a few seconds? Yeah. Like, why shouldn't I spend 30 seconds at night putting warm, comfy clothes by my bed so that I don't have to be cold longer than I have to be? I think that's awesome. And it's not lazy. It's actually more work for me to pre-think the night before about warm clothes. I mean, and I also, you know, I made the point one time in one of my TikToks, like, I don't think people understand how much money people are paid to shave seconds off of production times at major companies. Oh, yeah. Like there are people whose entire job is to make shipping you your who's what's it 
take a half a second less. Right. There are people whose entire job is to tell companies how to be more efficient, how to shorten the time it takes to do internal tasks. So the fact that you would think that that's a legitimate job for a fortune 500 company, but that if a nanny or a maid or a stay at home parent was trying to figure out how to shorten the amount of time or work they spend for the same amount of beneficial result is frankly, probably just rooted in misogyny. This idea that well, care tasks are women's jobs, even though there's a ton of men in, in care task jobs, this idea that, well, you should just keep this home and you should like it, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. instead of why not, why not figure out how best to, um, fastest to do my dishes. I don't like doing my dishes. So I bought a second dishwasher, um, silverware rack. Oh, nice. And so I now have a silverware rack in the dishwasher and I have one on my countertop behind the sink so that as I dirty dishes throughout the day, I toss the silverware straight into the silverware rack and put the dishes into the sink. And then every night at seven o'clock, I unload my dishwasher, I put the dishes from the sink into the dishwasher, and I just switch out the baskets. Oh, genius. And it, it's amazing because I hate dishes. And now dishes takes me eight minutes at most every night. Yeah. And, and I think that looking at that as why would you think so long, like it's not that deep or just do it. It's like, I mean, you deserve a space that serves you. And there's so much more to life than doing your dishes and doing your laundry. Why wouldn't you want to make that the least painful, most efficient way to do it, even if it's not the quote unquote right way to do it. Yeah. yeah. I don't exist to do dishes like my dishwasher and my sink, that whole process exists to serve me. And so I'm going to use all of my ingenuity to figure out a system that serves me best. And, and so I I've just been on this journey of finding systems that serve me best because I do want to spend less time but I don't want to sacrifice the function. Right. Right. I still need clean clothes. I still need clean dishes. My kids still need a sanitary environment and a clean and a clear space to play. And I think that that's what we mean by I don't exist to serve this space. I don't exist to sit around and do dishes and laundry and clean all day. Right. Now, obviously we need clean dishes, clean laundry (laughs) and a sanitary environment, but coming up with systems that you're actually motivated to participate in, is huge. The other big place that I did this was with my closet. I don't fold my clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did was, and this is such a perfect example, like the idea that every room has a closet and that each person's clothes need to go into that closet and that you need to fold everything. I mean, I am 34 years old. Why have I spent the majority of my life folding underwear? <laughs> yep. And like, I've had kids for three years. Why did it only occur to me like six weeks ago that it is dumb to fold flannel onesie pajamas? Right. Who is going to judge my two-year-old for having wrinkles in her flannel onesie pajamas? Why does that matter? They have so much bigger problems than, than you. Yeah. I mean, like, and what? Why does it matter if my pajama pants are wrinkled? Yeah. 
I yeah. literally never leave the house. Why am I folding my pajama pants? And I realized the reason that I was procrastinating laundry so much was because I hated folding. It took so long and it was stressful with young kids because they kept getting into the piles and throwing the piles everywhere. And so then you're like, well, I'll just turn the TV on so that I can fold in peace. But now I feel guilty about the screen time. Okay, I'll do it after bed when everyone's asleep, but now I don't have any room to rest. So I was like, oh. So the first yes, thing I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I did was realize that because my kids are very young, that it was really silly in them because I dress my children. It was really silly to go to one closet to dress myself and then go to another closet to dress my baby and then go to another room and another closet to dress my toddler. Mm -hmm. And so I thought we're done with that. I moved all of the family's clothes into my master closet. Nice. So that I can go in there in the morning with my children and dress everybody in one room. And my closet is actually off of my laundry and uh, my laundry room. Oh, beautiful. so now, right. So now all of the dirty clothes, because when you're putting on new clothes, you're taking off dirty clothes are in that one closet, which makes it easier to throw it in the washer. It also makes it easier to put clothes away because you just are going to one room instead of going to all these different rooms. Then I took most of my hanging clothes down. I took my old drawers out and I put in like a cube system from mm -hmm. Ikea with baskets. And I just labeled the baskets with some masking tape. Like here are the toddler's clothes. Here are the babies. Why am I folding baby onesies? Right, right. <laughs> what is wrong with me? And when I really looked, there was so little of my wardrobe that actually needed to be fold or hung up. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped folding it. Yeah. I just th started throwing it into labeled baskets. And the baskets are, you know, specific enough that I can get what I need and find what I need. And now I'm not kidding you. I can put away two loads of laundry in two minutes and 30 seconds. Wow. Yeah. What a huge difference. And I have, and now I don't procrastinate it because mm -hmm. I know it's going to take two minutes and 30 seconds and it's going to be super painless and my kids can help because they love throwing things into other things. Right. Yeah. And, and what a great, you know, example, instead of like, shoo, shoo, don't bother me. I'm folding laundry. Now it's like, Hey, you want to come throw clothes and baskets? Like what yeah. a great switch to, from, you know, away from this. Cause I do think that so often parents and caregivers in general, we get so hyper-focused on letting our like own perfectionism or, um, that this task has to be done this certain way, we let that get in the way of actually providing best care. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of what um, I, I hear in, in what you say when you talk is like, how do I get all of those like constrictions and restraints and like judgments out of my way? <laughs> to figure out what actually works for me. Yeah. And I, I think a good place to start, if I, if I may plug some self-promotion here, is, yes. is I actually wrote a book. Yes, which I, I have I right here. And it's, it's brilliant, y'all. I'm going to let <laughs> Casey tell you about it, but I just, it's brilliant. Well, I'm so proud of it. And um, it's called How to Keep House While Drowning. And it's all about this idea of how do I deprogram believing that care tasks are moral issues mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and just see them as functional issues and begin to see myself as a person who deserves to function. And how do I create systems that really work for me? And it's not, it's not a big, like, it's not very prescriptive. It's not about, okay, here's, here's the Casey Davis system. Um, It's, it's more about changing your mindset around these. And there are some tips in there, um, but it's written, it's very readable. It's not very long and it's written so that you can take it a day at a time. So the subtitle is 31 days of compassion. So if you're someone that doesn't like to read or you don't have a lot of time to read, you can read a day at a time. And I mean, they're literally paragraphs long. Right. Right. Uh, They're very short. Or longer than two pages. Yeah. And so you can read it day by day, or you can sit down and read the whole thing through. Depending on how fast you read, you will be done between 30 minutes and an hour. Right. And it's on Amazon. Yes. Go get it because it, it really is so helpful in this, yeah, this deprogramming of because it is like it it sometimes does feel like we've all bought into this like cult of we have to do things this certain way and we never really question the or what it's just like yeah to do it and it's like well but no um you don't you don't have to do it that way and um and I I love I love that and there's there's so many gems in here. Um, I've read the whole thing, but then I go back and like look at different pages. I just kind of like flip open to a page sometimes, and like mm-hmm. the drop the plastic balls like quote of you know that's some some things in your everyday things that you have to do are plastic and some are glass, and when you're overwhelmed, drop the plastic ones. <laughs> Because they'll be there for you. You can go pick them up, but glass will shatter. And like that idea is brilliant. And it's so true when it comes to caring for children, whether that's in a personal or professional capacity, you know, the way that I treat my children is a glass ball. Not that I'm perfect. And of course I mess up sometimes, but if I only have a finite amount of energy because things are stressful in the world or in my life, I don't want to waste that energy on making sure that my counters are clean. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I obviously I want them sanitary, right? but I want to use all the energy that I have to make sure that I'm being kind and gentle and emotionally in tune to my children. Yeah. Which takes a great deal of energy. I'm sure everyone oh my gosh. <laughs> knows that, but yeah, it takes a great deal of energy um, to be in tune with, with children. <laughs> like, mm-hmm so much energy. And so, yeah, the one other thing that I wanted to touch on, because I think that this affects a lot of nannies is the idea of um, like time off should be equal with your partner. Mm. Um, Mm. Yeah. Because I think a lot of partners of nannies are like, your job isn't that hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and then they're like, why, you know, why aren't you also keeping this home? So I would love if you could speak to time off being equal. So people ask me a lot, you know, how do I deal with the division of labor in my home? And I think what happens to a lot of couples is they end up in this argument of who works harder because when they look at, okay, here are these care tasks. How do we divide them? The argument 
which makes sense on the surface. Okay. Whoever, you know, the work should be equal. The work should be equal. The problem is, is that people then begin to say, well, because I work harder, I should take on fewer care tasks. That way our work will be equal. The problem with that is that people, I mean, very few couples have the exact same job and work the exact same hours. And so you're usually comparing apples to oranges, you know, and, and my example always is, let's say that you have a couple and one is a stay-at-home parent and one is a coal miner. Arguably, um, depending on what we mean by harder, right? Because there's a lot of ways Very something well can be hard. Let's say, let's just take the argument, like we'll start with the presupposition that mining coal is harder than tending to children and doing care tasks. Let's just say that it is well but there's a huge difference in doing a hard job for eight hours a day five days a week and doing a quote-unquote easier job 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year no holidays right 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 that's not actually equal work Right. And there is a huge difference between a time clock job and the never ending repetitive in home nature of care tasks. And so whoever is taking on, quote unquote, the bulk of care tasks, whether that's raising children, doing laundry, not only, as we spoke about earlier, is your work in your home. So there's less of a divide of when you get to rest, when you get to work, whereas somebody with a time clock job is clocking in and out. And and not all jobs, right? Some jobs, some people say, well, I always bring my work home with me mentally. And that's true. But in general, there is this divide between when I need to work and when I can rest. And if somebody is doing the majority of the care tasks, the problem is, is that there is never not a care task that could be done. Right, right. And so what I always say is that the argument of who works harder or who works more is not the conversation you should be having. It's not the goal to make the work equal because how do you compare that? How do you compare a lawyer to a teacher or a doctor to an accountant or a stay at home parent to a bank teller? Mm -hmm. You'll just argue for days and feel like you don't understand each other. What I always say is that the goal should be for the rest to be equal. Mm-hmm. because the coal miner gets two days off and evenings off and the stay at home parent has no days off. And right. so she ends up or he ends up just care tasking all the time, never knowing when can they sit or when they do rest, they rest in guilt. They feel mm-hmm. guilty for resting. They feel ashamed for resting because there's something they could be doing because there's this cyclical never ending thing there. So the idea should be that, the coal miner needs to take on enough care tasks so that there is a time where the stay at home parent can rest. Mm -hmm. So if you think, well, I mine coal, so I should be able to sleep in on the weekends and not have to, you know, do a bunch of housework. Well, then the rest isn't fair. Right. You might have to wake up early with the kids on Saturdays and cook breakfast and, clean a little so that your spouse can get 
some extra sleep because maybe they're waking up with kids can have some hours to just be instead of do can rest. And so all of those things. And that's why I always stress clock out times for people that do a lot of care tasks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also think that, um, and this is kind of moving away from what you just said, but I also, as you're listening, nannies, I think it's a good idea to have closing duties for your day as a nanny. Um, like make that list, you know, your households, um, what needs to get done before you can leave and to start doing that on the clock, (laughs) um, I think is really smart and really like a good move of like, okay, 30 minutes before five o'clock when I get off. So at four 30, we're all going to clean up the space. You know, anyone that's old enough to help, we're all going to clean up the space. And then, um, you know, making your list be whatever, whatever works for you. But I think that that's, um, a good takeaway that's applicable to nannies that might not be applicable to. Well, and it's, it's really great modeling for the children. Yeah. And I would also imagine that for children that have a hard time with transitions, Mm -hmm. That's a really wonderful way for their mind and body, even subconsciously to start to clock into, oh, okay, you know, our nanny's about to leave or our nanny's about to be off the clock. Yeah. And part of the the closing duties can be like the special way that you say goodbye. If your nanny kid struggles to see you go. I had a nanny, a former nanny kid who, when I would leave like for the end of the week, he would always ask for 1 million kisses and I'd put a down (laughs) payment of a hundred kisses. And then I was like, I'll see you on Monday and we'll keep working on these million kisses. Um, And so, you know, that was like, we had this whole (laughs) routine um, and that helped him. So yeah, I think that's a really good point of like, that also helps the child transition through the end of day. Cause those, those times are the trickiest. Transition Mm -hmm. times are always the trickiest. Well, and it's just like when they talk about bedtimes that, you know, people always say having a routine before that bedtime kind of clues them into what's happening, even very young children. Right. So it's helpful for them to sort of see that transition coming. Yeah. It's respectful to the kid too, as, Mm -hmm. as well as yourself and modeling being respectful to yourself is something that I do not think kids see as much as they should. Um, Yeah. Well, and I think it would be a cool thing for kids to also like when they're old enough to have their own closing duties, mm-hmm. right? Depending on time of day, which is, and the cool thing is, is that it's not about your whole space being perfect. So it's not, okay, clean your room. That's not the closing duty, mm-hmm. but maybe there is one or two things that that child can start doing at that routine time that allows them to transition away from that school day or that you know, into that evening dinner time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea of, yeah. Like let's make your desk in a way that you can get started tomorrow morning, you know, Mm -hmm. easily, whatever that looks like, you know, and talking through that with the child is so wonderful and helpful. And I I'm sure would help the child feel so seen of like, what do you need to do at the end of the day? Like, let's talk through this, especially if you have a kid with, you know, a younger sibling. I think that that would really help them feel very seen and special and 
um, and great. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, wonderful. Um, so I really encourage everyone listening to check out strugglecare.com. Um, there's a link down in the show notes, as well as a link to Casey's book, How to Keep House While Drowning, um, that you can buy on Amazon. And it is, um, it's, it's really, really helpful. And it's not long. So if you're sitting there thinking like, Martha, I'm listening to this episode because I'm struggling. Um, just it, it's it's 56 pages total, and like Casey was saying, you can take it at your own pace. You can take you know a year to read it, and it's still going to be helpful for sure. So, um, well, wonderful. Is there anything else, Casey, that you'd like to say before we close out this episode? I think the one thing that I just really want people to hear in my messaging is this idea that care tasks are morally neutral. Being messy is not a moral failing. And if your space is functioning, it doesn't really need to do anything else unless you want it to. Right. Yeah. Everything else. And if it's not functioning, yeah. And if it's not functioning, then you can take steps to help your space function better, but you deserve kindness regardless of the level that you're functioning at, Mm. even from yourself. Yes. Yeah. What a beautiful, wonderful message. Uh, Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Wonderful. Well, we end each episode with a cute, fun story. And I actually brought one today because it kind of ties into what we're talking about. So, um, sometimes like in my nanny families, you know, we struggle to get out of the door, (laughs) like everyone. And, um, and one of my nanny moms, uh, a couple weeks ago said, you know, I was really struggling to like get out the door. And I was like huffing and puffing around the kitchen, like looking for things. And, um, and the, the two-year-old that I nanny, like took her mom's hand and like set her down and said like, you are overwhelmed. You need to take a breath. (laughs) And and it was just like the mom told me about this with such pride because it's, you know, we've been really working with her on the name it to tame it and like calling out her own feelings. And it was just so lovely to watch or to hear about her using those skills on her mom too, of like, I see that you are overwhelmed. Here's what you tell me to do. You should do that. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it's, and she does that all the time. Love, love that, love that kid. Um, <clears throat> Cause yeah, she really will like see what's going on with someone else and be like, well, here's what my adults would tell me to do. I'm gonna tell this adult to do that. <laughs> it's so lovely. Um, Well, thank you so much, Casey. I really, really appreciate you taking time um, to, to talk with me today. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.